we're going to read down to verse 33. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord, and said, If thou wilt shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth from the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I shall offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord to deliver them into his hands. And he smote them from Aorir, even till thou come to Mineth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would take your word. God, we pray that you would connect it to our hearts, connect it to our minds, Lord, connect it to our souls and our spirits, God, that we can actually live it out in the flesh. Lord, you want us to manifest your word in the flesh. Lord, it takes your Holy Spirit to do that. We pray for our pastor that you would just anoint him powerfully this morning, God, that we would be uh, like receptacles, God, to just receive what it is that you have for us this morning in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. And everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. We're so glad that you're here. I will not be preaching on every single one of those verses, but I wanted Josh to read them just to watch him struggle through them. That's fun to watch. Amen. To watch them hard names being spoken. I'd hate to be in first grade and have a name like some of them Old Testament names and try to learn how to spell it. It would probably take me to the 10th grade to learn how to spell my own name. Amen. Or even pronounce it. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We want to thank you for your financial giving. You've been so gracious during this pandemic, and you've been so gracious to follow the rules of giving your offerings in the back like that, and, and uh, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you for that. In the next several months, you're going to be seeing a facelift on the front of the building. We've, uh, our, our, um, we call it, I, I call it stucco, but it's actually drive it. It's been up there for 12 years, and you're supposed to have it repainted and sealed about every eight to 10, but it's held up real good, but it's beginning to crack in places. So we got to give that attention, and we're going to have to completely seal the whole front of the building and repaint the whole building due to the maintenance of it. The look of it's still holding up pretty good, but we got to maintenance it. So in the next several months, if you could give a little uh, uh, more uh, in your offerings, it would be appreciated because when you start a project around here at the size of this building, it's never a little thing. It's always a costly thing because of the size of it. That's a massive building, and um, it's going to be several thousands of dollars to do, and we're starting that, already started it last week. I want to thank uh, Randy Persons for donating a lift for us. That we, We're saving so much money by people that are helping just donate things. Randy, we want to thank you for that. And we want to thank you for your just faithfulness, guys. We're able to keep up and keep in budget, and we've we've uh, we just we just can't express enough how much we love your faithfulness. Thank you so much, Amen. 
But here in the book of Judges, chapter 11, we see a story by the name of Jepheth, or the, I call him Japheth. He's pronounced both ways. I've heard different preachers pronounce him in different ways like that. But the name Japheth means he opens and or God enlarges. And in the Old Testament, names were very important, and the meaning of the name seemed to always follow the calling or the purpose for that individual. In other words, and for example, on many occasions, God would call a prophet by a certain name which had a meaning to establish or reveal the nature of his message or what God was doing in that particular time in history through his ministry. For example, when you go back and you look at the different prophets and you look up their names, it always goes, the meaning of his name always goes in how that God is dealing with Israel at that particular time. The very meaning of Japheth's name, God opens or God enlarges would reveal what God's purpose or call or intent would be upon Japheth's life and what Japheth was called to do. God had great expectations and great promises for Japheth's life because of the meaning of his name. And a matter of fact, the name Japheth was honorably mentioned by the great apostle in the select role of the faithful in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34. You know how Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the list of the heroes of the faith. And it starts out by Abraham, uh, how that it was imputed in him for righteousness for offering his son up, Isaac, upon an altar. And he goes to Noah, how that Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord and, the, and built an ark and the saving of his family and by his works he was saved. And goes on and talks about all these great things these men done. And then it comes down to verse 32 and this is what it says. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and of Japheth. There's Japheth. Japheth's name mentioned right there in the heroes of the faith and he goes on who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of the fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness was made strong waxed violent violent in fight turned to flight the armies of the aliens talks about the great exploits that these men done it talked about the great miracles and the great interventions of God that took place in their lives and Japheth was placed right there with what we call the heroes of the faith. This story of Japheth has set his example for so many of us believers right here in this building today. If there's one thing that I want each and every one of you as believers to know, and that is that God wants to open up opportunities in each of your lives and God wants to enlarge you. God began to place this upon my heart this morning that God is beginning to visit God's people in this place, the palace of praise, and he's going to start offering new opportunities opportunities to every single one of you. Not only in the natural, but in the spiritual. Not only in the spiritual, but also in the natural. That God is going to begin to open doors that no man can open. He's going to shut doors that no man can shut. And God is about to breathe prosperity and blessings upon the house of the Lord. Can I have an amen? Somebody ought to start getting excited right here. That God is going in these last days in the midst of all this chaos, he's going to show the world how he can take care of his own. And even though the world may be falling apart, yet the church has never been as strong as what it is right now. Because in our weakness, he is made strong. And where sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound. And God is about to blow the socks off of our dreams, and he's about to bring some things to that we've been dreaming about into reality. And the things we've been praying about and looking for, they can't even compare to what God's got for us because our highest expectation cannot even... Go, will not even be able to believe what God's about to do. God is about to open opportunities and he's going to open 
doors that some of you have never even thought were possible for your lives. You're going to wake up someday and thought, wow, how did we get here? Wow, look what God has done. And man, I want to tell you, God's about to bless the socks off of his church. Can you just lift your hand and begin to praise him for that right now? Come on, praise him in advance if you really believe. He's not going to do it if you don't believe it. He's not going to do it if you don't grab a hold of it. He's not going to do it if you don't take a part of it. Can I have it? Praise him. Come on, give him praise in advance for what God's about to do. Hallelujah. If you really want it, reach out and grab it and praise him in advance. Show him you believe. Show him you believe. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Amen. But God doesn't want us to remain status quo and be given to a life of mediocrity because he has great things in store for each and every one of us. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 3 and 20, the Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we're even able to ask or think by the power of God that worketh mightily in us. And when you really look at that, and I've preached on this before, but notice that the exceedingly abundantly comes by the power that worketh mightily in us, that it is God that is going to use us to get the exceedingly and abundantly because he has it called us to mediocrity but greatness the exceedingly stuff the abundant man that's some heavy words go dissect them go look them up in the dictionary how many wants abundant things exceedingly things why out of your wildest imagination out of your wildest expectation of what God's wanting to do and yet God's saying it's going to happen by what works through you What's going to come through your loins? What's going to come through your possession? What's going to come through your grip? What's going to come through your opportunity? God's going to use us. Here was a man that was born among the promised seed of Israel. Japheth's dad was Gilead of Israel, according to the word of the Lord. And according to the word of God, Japheth was born with talents, and he was a man of great abilities. If you'll look at verse 1, the Bible says, Now Japheth, the Gilead, was a mighty man of valor. Now when you talk about a mighty man, of valor. You're talking about somebody that is off the charts. He's very highly skilled. He's what we would call more than a professional. He is ranked as someone of high esteem. And Japheth was a mighty man of war, according to the word of the Lord. He was a distinguished warrior, a skilled fighter, and a man that could lead within battle. He was a man that was courageous. He had no fear whatsoever. He was a man of courage. He was a man of faith. He was a man that could get the job done. He was a young man with great promise. He was a young man with great potential. But there was a problem. There was a problem in old Japheth's life. Among all the talent, among all the skill, among all of the ability, there was a hindrance. There was a flaw. You know, I hate that, but that's just the way it is in all of our lives. Oh, Chuck, there he's a good man. He's a good businessman. He's a good father. He's a good church member. He's a good Christian and blah, 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 and on and on. But there's always a but that may messes everything up. You know, there's a good lady there. She's a good mother and she tends to her family and she's good about this and she's good about that. But there's always that but in there. There's that but in every single one of our lives. As good as the talents and the giftedness and the things that God has placed within us, there is still flaw in every single one of us. Every single one of us has these things that can be, uh, they're acclimates that people can look down and say, oh, he's so anointed. Oh, he's so spiritual. Oh, he's so kind. Oh, he's so compassionate. Oh, he's so loving. Oh, he's so forgiving. Oh, he's such a giver. But there's always that but. Then they have to come out and 
throw something at you that is not so good. It's a negative. And this is what's happened right here in this great man of God's life. The problem was that this man was born of a harlot, according to the word of the Lord. Verse 1 says, Now Jathan the Gileite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot. Now here's the positive. He was a mighty man of valor, but the negative was that he was born from a prostitute. Here was a man with such potential, yet hindered due to the birth of him being birthed from a harlot. He was born in the right place with the right father, but he was wrong, but he was born with the wrong mother. Now isn't that sad? Born in the right place, born with the right father, but born with the wrong mother. And because he was born of this harlot, we see that he wasn't qualified to receive his father's inheritance or his father's blessing. You remember when Isaac blessed his son and how that he laid his hands upon him? Do you remember how that, that, that the, the father was to bless the eldest son? Well, he could not receive the inheritance or the blessing of his father. His right to inherit by secession was destroyed through his father's sin. According to Jewish law, he wasn't even able to assemble or to come in the congregation of the Lord. Isn't that sad? A mighty man of valor, but still was not able to assemble or to congregate with the assembly when they gathered together to worship God. Deuteronomy 23 and 2 under the law says, a bastard or a legitimate child or child born out of wedlock shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to his 10th generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And when I read that, tears came to my eyes because I got to thinking about this great man called Japheth. And I thought how that he was marked. Not only was there a man of great potential here, of great talent, of great ability, but yet he's not only hindered, but the mark that was upon him would hinder his seed all the way down through 10 generations. 10 generations of his sons would not be able to congregate with the congregation as they would gather together in Israel. All because of one man's sin. Due to his father's sin, we see that they thrust Japheth out and they refused to allow him to be a part of the inheritance of his father. Look at verse 2. And Gilead, Gilead's wife bare him sons and his wife's sons grew up and they thrust out Japheth and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house for thou art the son of a strange woman. In other words, the brothers got together and said, Japheth, you may be our brother but you're only a half-brother. You've got a different mother than we do and because your mother was a harlot, you're not going to receive one bit of blessing and you're not going to receive one bit of inheritance from our father and they thrust him out of the house. Here was a man with great potential, great promise, but yet a problem tried to stop that promise from happening. And let me tell you, we're headed somewhere here right here in a minute. Can I tell you that just because you have a promise on the inside of you, just because you have a promise on your life, a call within your spirit does not mean that it will come easy without conflict and let me tell you with the call there comes a great price. There's a price to entering into the presence of God and obtaining everything that God's got for you. Can I have an amen? We can sit outside of the provision of God if we want to and live a life of mediocrity and just live a life of existence and just go through the mundane everyday maintenance of life but I choose not to do that. And Japheth looked at this and here he was, a highly skilled man, a highly talented man, and a well capable man, an able man, and yet hindered due to the problem of the, his birth. Can I tell you that without a shadow of a doubt, potential is revealed through a process 
success in your life. It doesn't come overnight. Your dreams are not going to just fall out of the sky. They've got to be developed. They've got to be pursued. They've got to be birthed within your spirit. The things that we want is not going to just come by us sitting on a pew waiting for them to fall out of the sky as a gift from God. The gift is already there. You've got to claim the gift. You've got to articulate your dream and you've got to hang on to it, believe in it, and pursue it. And with everything that is within you, go after that which God has called you to do. That's why that Paul said, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I'm not yet obtained, but I'm pressing. I'm fighting. I'm warring. I'm going after with everything that's within me. In all of my ability, I'm going after it. You have not yet arrived. I've not yet arrived. There's much more for us. So why are we sitting here in the mundane thinking this is the way life's always going to be? Quit having that kind of mentality and rise up and say, there's more from me than what the eye can see. There's more to me than what I can imagine. And I'm claiming every promise of God upon me to be yea, yea, and amen. I receive that, the full benefit of the grace of God toward my life. Would you stand with your, with me and just lift your hands up and praise him for it in advance? Come on, enter in with me here. Fight for it here this morning. Hallelujah. Wow, God's wanting to do it. With everything that's going on, you can be seated. With everything that's going on in our world, I want to tell you, God's wanting to turn it around. The way he's going to turn it around is when people of the church claim hold of what God's got for them, it'll be us that'll turn it around. Amen? Here's a man called to greatness, birthed with promise, but hindered in life. And his hindrance was not caused by anything that he did. Isn't that strange? Can I say that again? Here's a man called to greatness, Birthed with promise, but yet hindered in life, and the the hindrance was not caused by anything that he done. His hindrance was a direct result of someone else. His father said, "Don't ever think that your sin don't affect someone around you. It don't just affect you; it affects everybody." Amen. Some of life's perplexities you didn't ask for them, you didn't cause them to happen, but they came anyway. As a matter of fact, Luke seventeen verse one. What did Jesus say? Jesus says it's impossible, but offenses will come. He says it's impossible to avoid them. It's impossible not to go through some things. It's impossible to not have some injustices come your way. It's impossible to flee tribulation. It's impossible to, to not go through some hardships. It's impossible to escape storms. They're coming. He says it's impossible. Offenses are going to come. But then he said, woe unto them who bring the offense. Can I have an Amen. How many knows that it does rain upon the just and the unjust alike? Things happen. They come, and, and it's none of the making of our own sometimes. And sometimes we create them ourselves, don't we? Sometimes it is the creation of what we have done. But life isn't always fair. It is not always easy. Folks, that's just part of life. So quit crying and thinking you're the only one going through something. Everybody's going through something because everybody faces offense. Don't sit in your little corner and pout like no one understands what I'm going Everybody understands what you're going through. I want you to understand that every single day that I wake up, I wake up with adversity. I wake up with a devil staring me in the face. I wake up with an opponent. I wake up with an enemy. I wake up with demons and devils trying to bring me down, just like you do. Every single one of us in this building face hardships and trials and afflictions and all of those kinds of things. I want you to know they're real and they're there and they're hindrances. Amen? 
The very reason Jathan was born was the very thing that would try to be destroyed or be stopped within his life. That's why the devil's fighting the church so hard is because what God has placed within the church. He's trying to stop that which you have been created for to come to pass. He wants you to live in a life of mediocrity. He wants you to believe that you're nothing, that you're a nobody and that you can't achieve and you're not an achiever, that you're less than everybody else and you get this mentality that you can't make it and that you can't do it and all of a sudden we come in and then we just settle in in our lives and we never think that there's a new opportunity. There is a a, a new door opening. There, There is something new that God's wanting to do. I'm here to prophesy over this church that every single family with no one being left out. There is no exclusions that every single one of you, God wants to open up something new, a new door of opportunity to bring something miraculous in your life. Every one of you. Some of you, I think I'm just gonna quit. If you can't get excited about that, you're not gonna get excited. That is a prophetic word over the church that God's about to do something new in your midst. The God's about to come in and rattle your cage in your home. Things are about to change. Things are shifting. Huh? There's going to be new opportunities. There's going to be new horizons. There's going to be a new journey. There's going to be new excitement. There's going to be new life and joy spring up in the midst of your situation. Oh, hallelujah. I think I could preach right there for a while. But I want you to know that Japheth was thrust out by his very own brothers. He was born to be a leader of Israel. He was born to be a warrior that would lead Israel to victory. But yet, Japheth was thrust out by his own brothers. It wasn't someone outside of the family. It was his very own family that disowned him and disfellowshipped him. And isn't it odd how that Jesus Christ actually came to be the Savior of the world? That was what he was called to do. That was his purpose. How many knows that Jesus became to become Messiah, the Savior of the world? Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He was called of God not only to destroy the works of the devil, but to go to the cross and bring redemption for mankind. And yet, Hebrew, I mean, John chapter 1 verse 11 says that Jesus came to his own, the Jewish people, but his own received him not. Isn't that odd? It's not always the outsiders where you find your greatest conflict. Sometimes you'll find it right in the middle of your own household. It may be unconsciously done, but many a parent, many a wives, many of husbands, many of children have hindered or stopped their loved ones from reaching their God-given potential. Speaking down, never believing in them, never exhorting them, never edifying them, always uh, in the mo- always somehow bringing the negative out and never putting anything positive in. I don't care how untalented your child is. I don't care how many uh, 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 how many flaws that he may have. There's greatness inside of everyone in this building. Amen. I don't care how many flaws you have. I don't care where you come from. I don't care your background. I want to tell you, I don't care if you may be uneducated and can't read and write, but that does not stop the fact that God's got a potential bottled up inside of you that he's wanting to bring forth because God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm here to tell you that there is nobody here that does not have greatness bottled up inside of them because the creator who created you is a God of greatness and he makes nothing that's junk. I'm about to preach here. God's about to do something here at the palace of praise. It's stirring, it's burning in my spirit. 
many of pastors even, and many of leader, church leaders, and many of members in the local congregation has hindered people from their potential in Christ. Uh, maybe unconsciously, but they've done it. I've heard a story, I've heard it several times by different people that I trust, and they said they have read a story. I've not read it myself about Dolly Parton. And so I'm just gonna have to take it on their words that, that, that what they've read or what, where they found it is true. But they said that Dolly Parton was in a church, and I hate to tell this, but I heard it was a church of God. I don't know if it was or not. But she's a little girl, and they were having teen talent, and she was signing up to go sing at teen talent, and the pastor came to her and said, Dolly, we're not sending you because you don't have what it takes to sing. And I got to thinking of how many times that we have missed it in the local church because we didn't see the potential or the desire, the passion that was bottled up inside of somebody. And I'm here to tell you right now, it's not always uh, something that you can be noticed with the eye of the flesh, but in the eye of the spirit, if you have any kind of discernment at all, God can reveal things in people yet that has not yet been manifested in their lives. And those things that they're speaking don't necessarily start talking them down. I hear young people with vision of mom and dad always putting a foot on it, always putting a foot on it. Hold it, stop before you put a foot on it. You better begin to pray about it. You better begin to think about it. And find the discernment of the Lord before you start directing them without first to find what the mind of the will is because it may be a God-given passion rising up in that child that you don't understand. Can I have an amen? God's got a plan now, it may not have been done intentionally, but through a lack of discernment and vision, we can be a stumbling block, a hindrance to the people from fulfilling their God-given purpose. Here was a great man of promise, but he was marked. He was hindered. He was a mighty man of valor, but at the same time, he was a child of iniquity. Mighty man of valor, but also a child of iniquity. He was in the same shape of old Naaman. You remember Naaman, the captain of the Assyrian army? He had a problem. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was what? A leper. He had leprosy, which is a type of sin symbolically. He was like you and me. He was called to greatness, but due to someone else's doing or due to some misfortune that was not of his own making, he was hindered. There's things that sometimes it's hindering you that you have no control over or did not have any control over. You were not the cause of it. We are all created with a purpose but yet we are all born into iniquity, every one of us. We all were created for greatness, but we're hindered by sinful flesh, are we not? We struggle as the result of our fallen sinful nature. As a matter of fact, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, what does it say? For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, and it causes you to do the things you ought not do. Bible says that I've got a war going on in my life. You've got a war going on in your life. Your spirit has certain objectives and goals and creative ability that God has placed within here, but your flesh is opposing it. Your flesh wants to do one thing. I mean, and your spirit wants to do one thing, and your flesh wants to do another. And there is a war going on in your members. And that's exactly where Japheth was at in his life. He was created for purpose, but he was born with iniquity. He was born in a hindrance. But yet Ephesians 2 and 10 gives us a prophetic word. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, where God is pre but God has foreordained before the foundations of the world that we should walk in them. 
In other words, that God had a purpose for my life before he ever created me. That purpose was placed in me as a child. Though that purpose was there when I was born, yet it been hindered now because of a sinful birth. I got a flesh opposing that which God has spoken over my life. You also have greatness spoken over you. God says, I know my thoughts towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not that of, come on. God called Jeremiah a prophet from his mother's womb. You and I have been called of God by his creative action. You are created, designed by God. You were made and fashioned by the Lord. I'm not just a product of whatever mom and dad made. I'm a product of a divine provision. I'm a product of divine sovereignty. Can I have an amen? But yet on the flip side of the coin, that which mom and dad interjected into that promise has caused great hindrance in my life. Amen? Romans 5 and 19 says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By Adam's sin. Due to Adam's sin in the garden, we were all drove out from receiving God's inheritance. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? There's no inheritance for the sinner. Ever since that day that Adam chose to eat of the forbidden fruit, we have been driven out from the presence of the Lord. And everyone since that day has been born outside of the provision of Eden and the promises of God. We've been driven out from the presence of the Lord the day that we sinned. We got a problem just like Japheth did because of a sinful birth. But how many knows that Jesus Christ came to reconcile man back to God? I don't have to preach in all of the redemptive story here, do I? Because I don't have time. How many of those, those of you that are in Christ Jesus, you are made the righteousness of God and because of Christ Jesus, you now have an inheritance among them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. We have an inheritance, do we not? Our inheritance is that we are children of God and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. That you and I through the cross have been brought back in, reconciled by God and we're no longer alienated from the life of God through the spirit but we have become adopted and God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can I have an amen? So we can receive an inheritance. Look what was the next step for old Japheth. Here was a wounded man, a man that had become an outcast from his own, his own family. Some of your hearts are very deep sometimes because they come from the ones that you got the most confidence in, the ones you love the most, and the one that loves you the most can hurt you the worse. Amen? A perfect stranger hurting you does not hurt like a mother or a father or a brother or a sister. Come on. Or a church member or a brother in the faith. Some of us are carrying some real heavy wounds because we've had injustices done to us. That was like old Japheth here. He was a man that was hurt, confused, and bruised. How many of that when you become hurt, you become confused? And then you become uh, uh, bruised. And through the bruising, you begin to get into a blame game. You get into pity. You get to feeling sorry for yourself. You begin to make wrong decisions. You begin to see things in a different light. And you begin to see things through the eyes and the scope 
of the wounds that's took place in your life. That's where a lot of people are at. The Bible says in verse 3, Then Japheth fled from his brethren, dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Japheth, and he went out with them. Now I want you to notice something very powerful right here in this scripture. First of all, after the wounds and he was thrust out, instead of staying and fighting, he left. Never abandon your post. If God called you to it, no matter how much conflict you have, hang in there. Keep fighting for it. Don't give up. Keep believing. But nothing happens. I've been fighting for 10 years and nothing's ever changed. Bless God, I just give up. The day you give up's the day you lose. The day you stop. I'm reminded of Connie's testimony sitting here about her daughter, how long it took to bring that relationship together. But Connie, you never gave up. And look what we got here today. Can I have an amen? She hung in there for years, for years. We're living in a time and a place that the body of Christ has got to have some resilience. We got to be persistent. We got to want what we want bad enough to endure the pain that it takes to get it. We got to have passion. We got to fight. We got to war. We got to fight the good fight of faith. It's a good, it's a good fight. And I want to tell you, it's a good fight of faith, but we got to endure the hardness as a good soldier. There's part of us that just cave in and we just kind of fall back and we just kind of cave into whatever leads us, whatever pushes us around, whatever avenue there is, whatever path that we're pushed on, that's the path we accept. Well, I want to tell you, that's what began to happen to Japheth. And the Bible says he went down to the land of Tobah, men gathered unto him. Notice he didn't gather unto them, they gathered unto him. Why? Because they seen the leadership that his own family couldn't see. It's odd to me how that sometimes a bartender has more spiritual discernment than a church does. It's odd to me how that sinners sometimes can recognize the gifts and the callings and the talents and the anointing on a man more than a spiritual man can. It's odd how that somebody in the house of God can criticize and shun and poke fun and and, 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 you know, push around those that are in the church that's struggling, seeing the struggle but not seeing the potential. Seeing the flaw but can't see the mighty thing that God's created them to do. I don't care what kind of flaw you have in you, sir. This man believes in you till the day you die. I'll not give up on one of you. I don't care how much hardship you put my way. I don't care how stupid and ignorant you become. I don't care how much trouble you may cause. I may have to correct. I may have to rebuke. I may have to love you through some hard things. But inside of you is locked up a purpose that's greater than what you can ever imagine. And I dare to believe in what God wants out of your life. But not them. They thrust him out. And yet, the people of the world seen him as a leader. They gathered to him. I don't know how many people I have seen that's coming to the church, especially those in their teens. God bless them when you see such great leadership potential and they can't see it themselves. And they wallow around in self-pity. They get hurt. They get wounded. And they leave and they go out in the world and everybody flocks to them. And they become this guy that finds prestige among the heathen. And they brag on him. Come on. They tell him how great he is. They tell him how wonderful he is. 
the world is building him up while the people of faith, the house of Israel, has cut him down because of his flaw. But yet the world don't see his flaw. They see his potential. So now he's got a gathering. And now all of a sudden, power struggle goes to his head. Now all of a sudden, he's become somebody. But the problem of that which he's doing is outside of the alignment of God's purpose in his life. And the very thing that he's supposed to do is the very thing now that he's leading in opposition to bring it down. Isn't that sad? Because now his talents have been given over to a fleshly nature instead of a spiritual nature. Isn't that sad, Randy? And yet all kinds of people are like that. And instead of leading thousands to Christ, they keep just leading people deeper into their sin because they're leaders and people are following them. They're people of influence. They're, people, they're valor men, men of greatness. You see, if it wasn't good enough that he was boosted out by his own brethren and wounded, but now the real enemy is trying to totally destroy him. Look how the devil sets him up. Look at the total destruction that's about to take place. Japheth assembles himself, the Bible says, with vain men. Say vain. Vain men. And then he becomes companions with them. They become his friends. They become his family. They become the people that he hangs around. And as long as he's running, associating, fellowshipping, assembling himself with these vain men, he will never be able to fulfill the predestined call of God upon his life. He became like a sheep that had gone astray and he had turned his own way. And now he's corrupt, even more corrupt than what he was because of his birth. And when he found no true satisfaction, when there was no real fulfillment, he was not able to accomplish or fulfill his God-given purpose. What did he do? He plunged to the abyss of a reckless, selfish life. That's what happens to people all the time in the house of God. They don't find their place. They don't find their clique. They don't find their, their group of people to hang around. And they become unfulfilled and they become unhappy and they don't even know why. And before long, people get tired of their, their actions because they're frustrated. And through their frustration, they say things and do things that irritate. And instead of loving and correcting and nurturing and discipling, we don't know how to disciple. We don't even know how to rebuke a brother anymore. We just kind of want to just kind of thrust them away from us, push them away. Here comes old Joe. Get away from him. Get away from him. Well, that's when Joe needs you the most in his weakness. We are to bear him up due to his infirmity. Can I have an amen? We are our brother's keeper. We can't go the way of Cain in the church. We gotta love one another, help one another. And when people are at their worst, that's when you've got to be at your best. Amen? So he sought to drown his sorrow and the excitement of sinful pleasure, that's what he done. So he went to the land of Tob, bound him a group of vain men to hang around. And the reason for his running away wasn't because of his unprivileged birth like we think, but because of his lack of knowledge of how to overcome his hindrance that stopped him from fulfilling his purpose. How, did he, how could he have overcome this? Folks, he was a mighty man of valor. He could have whipped his brothers in a single instance, just like that. Amen? This man could go out and whip an army of 50 by himself. I mean, this guy is skilled. This is a mighty man of valor. There's no way in the world that his brothers could have thrust him out if he didn't want to leave that house. You see, Japheth's real problem was he began to believe the lie of his unprivileged birth and not the promise of his predestined purpose that he was created for. 
That was his problem. He began to believe a lie. But one side of him was saying, hey, you're born of a harlot. Hey, you're, you're a, a legitimate child. Hey, you are an outcast. You are nobody. You're worthless. Uh, oh, look at you. you you're, you're, you're flawed. Look at you. Man, you're a, you're a nobody. But on the other side, there was the voice of the Spirit saying, you're a leader. You're a fighter. You're a warrior. You're a mighty man of valor. Let me tell every single one of you, hear them both two voices. You hear the voice of flesh. You're uneducated. You're stupid. You're ignorant. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the ability. You don't have the talent. You're a nobody. Everybody else has it, but you don't have it. You know, it's good enough for Joe, but it's not good enough for you. You'll never be in the inner circle. You'll never be a part. You're always the last pick. Go on and on and on. That old flesh. And yet on the inside, God said, you're the apple of my eye. You're the side of my affection. You're the one that I love. You're the altogether one lovely. You're the one I've chosen. You're the one I've called. You're the one I've believe in. You're the one I died for. You're the one that I put something in. Can I have an amen? I'm not going to get through with this sermon. I can see that. But many of you are simply whipped because you've already believed the lie of the enemy and you have believed who you have believed who you are instead of whose you are. In me dwelleth no good thing. I've come to agree with the devil. When he comes up and says, you're stupid, I say, oh, you're so right. Bible says, believe with it. He said, the Bible says, agree with your adversary. You're powerless. You, boy, you never nailed it any truer. You're ugly. Yes, sir, I know that. Amen. But it ain't about who I am, it's about who he is in me. See, you got a wrong devil. I know there dwelleth no good thing in me. But I know who dwells in me. And I know what he can do through me. And I know who I am in him. So it really don't matter what you say about me. If you're going to pick a fight, pick the fight who sits on the throne of my heart. The Lord is the Lord of my life. So if you're going to whip somebody, try to whip him. Because the battle's not mine. It's yours, Lord. I don't have to listen to his garbage. I don't have to listen to all of his insults. I don't have to listen to all his ridicule and his mocking. Everything he says about me is true. Ah, But there's a truth that lies within me that's greater than that which is against me. Oh, hallelujah. You may have had an unprivileged birth, but you were still created with purpose. You're not a product of genetic flaw. You were not created in birth to failure. You were predestined to greatness. I don't care who you are. I don't care what side of the tracks you come from. I don't care who your parents are. You, I don't care that you don't even know who your parents are. I don't care what color skin you have. I don't care what color hair you have. I don't even care if you have any hair at all. You're called to greatness. So what you got a birth defect that makes your face look ugly? So what everybody's always picking on you and calling you names and insulting you and outcasting you and throwing you to the curb and throwing you to the side and no one believes in you. I'll tell you, there's a preacher here that believes in you today. But more importantly, there is a God that believes in you here today. There is a church called the Palace of Praise that believes in you here today. 
I got to quit. Oh, dear Lord. Why did I even study? <laughs> Man, that's aggravating. There's a lot of good stuff. This story, if you'll dissect it. So Japheth has finally found himself in a dilemma. He went to the abyss, went to a reckless, selfish, carefree life, found himself among vain men, ran from his calling, ran from his destiny, abandoned it because he was thrust out and hurt by somebody. Never stopped. He was a warrior. Why didn't he fight? He would have fought in the natural. Why is it that we can fight in the natural real easy, but we can't in the spirit? Everybody says, well, it just comes naturally to fight in the flesh. But it's so hard to get down and fight in the spirit with prayer, intercessory. It's easy to jack someone's jaw. Come on now. But it's hard to forgive and turn the other cheek and bow down and really intercede and fight in the spirit to see the peaceable fruits of righteousness being manifested in your life. I'm preaching better than what some of you letting on here today. So Japheth found himself a dilemma, but all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere, there comes a divine invitation. His brothers who cast him out come searching for him. They come all the way to the land of Tob and say, hey, Joe, Joe, uh, Japheth, we need you. What do you mean you need me? Hey, the Amorites come and surrounded Israel. We're going to be overtaken. They're going to whip us, and we need you to come and battle for us. We need you to be the captain. You, you're skilled in this. We're not. Oh, now, now they begin to see his calling. Now they begin to see his potential when they need him. Why couldn't they have seen it in the first place? It's kind of like the guy, you know, who's got a good worker. This irritates me, especially in southeast Missouri. Got a great worker, paying him $9 an hour, been working for him for 10 years, and all of a sudden somebody offers him $18 an hour, and he goes to his boss, and he says, boss, I got a better offer. I got to leave. They're going to give me $18 an hour. And he says, well, I'll match it. Well, why didn't he match it all along? Why didn't he see the man's worth when he worked for him for 10 years? Boy, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> oh, they see his potential now when they need him. He even asked a question. Well, why are you coming to me? I wasn't no good to you just a few years ago, but now you're coming to me. What's made me so popular now? Why do you want me now? Why have you sent for me? And they said, hey, man, the Amorites are coming, blah, 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 blah. And he says, I'll tell you what you do. He said, if I go back with you, will you make me the captain of your army? Because I'm not going to go back and fight a senseless war that can't be won. I know how to win this war. I have the ability. I know what it takes. I have the grit. I have the know-how. I have the talent. I have the inheritability. Oh, that's when you begin to get confident in God who you are. He begins to get confident in who he is. Woo! Come on now. Some of us need to rise up and begin to get confident, not in ourselves, but we got to get confident in who we are in God. We got to get to a place we know whose we are. And that bottled up greatness inside of us has got to learn how to come out of us. Come on. God's wanting to move, shift, open doors, give new opportunities. But if you don't see them and if you don't possess them and if you don't lay hold of them, they'll never be able to be manifested in your life. Here he is. They get him and they go to the place of Mispeth. Mispeth is the place of covenant. 
It's where Jacob and Laban built stones, piled them together, and they made a bond. It was a place that they made a bond with one another, and them stones erected would say, this is our covenant between one another. This was the place of covenant. And here's what we got to understand, that Laban... I mean, um, Japheth, before he could return back and do his call, there had to be more than just repentance. There had to be a surrenderance to the obedience of what God called him to do. A lot of people are in and out of the church always repenting, but they're never submitting to the God-given talent that's inside of them. He had to commit and make not only the Lord forgiver and saver, savior, but he had to make him God over his life at Mispeth. So they make the covenant. He says, okay, you're going to have to make me the head and not the tail. They said, if you'll go back and fight with us, the things in which you have spoken, they shall be done. If you'll go back and war, if you'll go back and fight, if you'll go back and do what, what we need you to do, when the battle's over and we've won, we will make you the captain, the head over the army of Israel. He said, let's go. And they go, and the next verse says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Japheth. His raw talent was not going to be able to do it. Even though we got talents and abilities and all that stuff, if it's just raw talent and abilities and charisma, oh, it'll move a crowd from time to time, but it won't accomplish the purpose. And God says, I got to put my spirit upon what I've called him to do. And God breathed upon him and gave him an anointing. And they went out and guess what happened? It says that Japheth wed the army of Israel out of unsurmountable odds against them. And Japheth delivered the Israel that day. And he killed all of the opposers of them that were coming of the children of Ammon against Israel. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? You want to overcome your enemy? Become to know who you are. Get a hold of this thing. The Lord gave four things in my spirit, in my altar call. Four things. First of all, there's somebody here that's had a divorce. Don't know how long it's been. Don't know if you're going through it right now. I don't know that. There's probably more than one. And because of that divorce, it's rocked your world. You're through, you're done, you're washed up, your life is over, meaning's gone. Everything that you held dear, everything that you thought was, you know, your, part of your life is gone. And you're sitting here and saying, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody. Life as I know it is ruined. There's no hope for me, there's no joy for me, there's nothing that I can do, there's nothing that I can change. I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm, di I'm divorced or getting divorced. And I'm a basket case. I'm washed up. And no one likes divorced people. And, and there's no hope for divorced people. And blah, 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 blah. I want to tell you, the enemy told me to tell you, uh, the Lord told me to tell you that the enemy's a liar and that God's got great purpose in your life. I don't know who you are, but God just wanted me to tell somebody that's walking around in this nonsense of believing a lie over divorce. Divorce is a bad thing and, and I feel sorry for you and my heart goes out for you and I pray that somehow it'll be reconciled. But if it never gets reconciled, just stay married to God and don't abandon your post just because you went through a divorce. Don't be like Japheth and run out here and get connected with a bunch of vain men thinking your life is over. It's not over. There's a process that you're going to go through but it's not over. Okay?
There's somebody else here. They're sick. And because of their sickness, not of the making of their own, they're hindered. And their own physical body won't allow them to be as passionate or as functioned in the area of their ministry the way that they want to. It's brought a little bit of condemnation upon you. And you're sitting in the congregation today. And the Lord, I prayed over this. The Lord gave me all of these. And there's somebody here that thinks, well, I'm on my way out. I'm up in age now. I fought this a long time. I've been praying. I've been warned. I've heard one encouraging thing after another for me to respond only to go back and nothing really ever changed in the process of time. That process never really brought anything about that would cause me to believe that anything's ever going to change. So I'm going to let, live the best the rest of my years and trying to just be status quo, be mediocre, never really be a mover or shaker, never try anything new, never jump through any hoops, never see any open door of opportunity. I'm going to just sit back. I've got a few good years left to live and then I'm going to die and somebody else will be able to take what God called me to do and do it. I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, that's a lie of the devil. God's about to visit your sickness. God's going to enable you. Don't abandon your post over a sickness. You can't help that you're sick. There's no sense in being condemned that you're sick. But I want you to know, hang to your faith because God is a very present help in the time of trouble. Call upon me in the day of trouble, saith the Lord. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. That's a prophetic word for somebody in sickness. Then... There's somebody else here that's a rebellious child. Rebellion is all over you. Called but rebellious. Running hard. Running from your calling. Don't want the calling. You're a rebellious child. You're suffering hideously. And you're at the end of your rope and you don't want to really cave in, but yet you know that the only way you can find peace is in Jesus. But when you come to Jesus and you try Jesus, you never really fully surrender. So you're always in and out, up and down, in and out, up and down. And you never really make him Lord. And, you, and the enemy's telling you, well, you've tried Jesus 15 times and it didn't stick and it didn't work. Sir, ma'am, that's a lie of the devil. You got to go to Mispeth and make a covenant. And God said he would visit you and make you become a great man of valor, a great woman of valor in the faith. That's what God said. Amen. Am I hitting anybody yet? And then there's those of us, all of us, that have an unprivileged birth, all flawed. All of us are fighting. All of us are treading water. All of us are facing the hardships of life. And the enemy would like to come in and just make you settle and think that if the enemy will just back away, I won't rock any boat. I just want to get away from the struggle. The struggle that's going on in your life right now is the best thing that you could ever go through because it's making you discontent. And it's propelling you to your destiny. You don't even realize it. And out of all of them four categories, God said this, that you're a Japheth. You're a Japheth. And it is through you that a turnaround, a victory can come. If Japheth would have not obeyed and went back, would even Israel be here today? And if you don't obey God, 
and your gifts and your calling that are without repentance. If you don't respond properly to the mandates and the passion that's inside of you, the dreams, the vision, the ambition that you got of wanting to become all that God wants you, if you don't obey that, will the church ever rise to its potential? No, because every one of our sin affects everything around us. And when there's someone not participating in the full pledge of their calling, it affects the whole body of Christ. I'm asking you today, if you're hurt, if you're wounded, you don't believe anybody believes in you, you don't even believe in yourself, I want to wrap these big arms around you and I want to weep with you. And I want to cry with you and say, I believe in you. God believes in you. You may have been born on the wrong side of the tracks, born with the wrong parents, born in the wrong school district. Come on. Born with the wrong skin color in the eyes of the world. That's nonsense. Because there is no prejudice with God. There is no Jew or Gentile, no black or white. We are all. There's only one race. One race on the world. Did you know that? It's called the human race. God has called us here as a body. And those that are struggling, he wants those that are strong to love on the weak. Because there will be a time, the very weak person that you love to make them strong, they will be strong and you'll become weak. And they'll reverse the order and come and love on you. Because I'm telling you, there's times I get weak. I need a helping hand. Moses became so weak, he had to have his hands lifted up by two godly men, did he not? There's none of us that don't need each other. We all got to believe in one another. You know, I've burnt too many bridges. I've been obnoxious. I've been a punk. No one likes me anymore. Everybody in the church thinks I'm ugly. Everybody thinks I'm mean. I've ripped my reputation. I'm speaking to somebody. Sir, ma'am, that's a lie. Even though every single one of those things may be true, the God inside of us is big enough to allow us to forgive you and love you and see the potential inside of you because God didn't make junk. I'm not going to beg, plead, or anything, but if you're one of those candidates that just need uh, affirmation, you need affirmed, you need loved, you need edified, you just need to be reminded, you just need someone to, hey, at least come by and pat you on the back and say, Way to go, giant. Come on, you made a right decision today. We believe in you. We're going to help you. You're flawed. We see the flaw. But we see the God beyond the fall. Flaw. We see the God of reconciliation. We see the God of forgiveness. We see the God of strength. We see the God of sanctification. Right now, is there anybody that would like to come and let the saints love on you? Come on. It's okay. I might just jump right out there with you. Now, sometimes I need someone to wrap their arms around me instead of me wrap my arms around them. Look at here. God loves you today. You got to make a commitment to him today. Meet him at Mispeth. Meet him at Mispeth. Meet him at Mispeth here this morning. Is there anyone else? Folks, there's more than this here. The Lord's laid on my heart. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. You know what I need right now? I need some people that believe in what I preached. Loving men, compassionate men, loving women, compassionate women. Would you just please come and gather around these that have came? Surround them, put your arms around them. 
Put your hands upon them. Begin to pray with them. Help them to press through to their God-given talent and ability here today. God's going to do a work. God's wanting to love some people through. Oh, Holy Ghost.
So many people are in so many different struggles and areas and things you're going through in your life. You were born for such a time as this. You really were. You say that's cliche preaching. It's not cliche, it's truth. 